Hello, this is July 15th, 2020, and another chance for me to offer my random musings about things. Uh, first, my first Corona cast, so-called, in uh, three weeks. Um, yesterday I was having some trouble with uh, my computer or one of my devices, and uh, I finally figured out for the umpteenth time that what I needed to do was just unplug it and plug it back in. I know, elementary. Uh, I, have, I have a couple of new devices, so I'm still uh, trying too hard to figure out what to do, but when the, the simplest thing was what I ended up doing. And it occurred to me that uh, this is this is a metaphor for the pandemic. That is, the, the pandemic is forcing us to be unplugged from the world as we know it. And that, of course, upends uh, our habitual way of living, and it also disrupts our expectations about life and work and so many other things, and how we, how we see things, our perspective. Um, I suppose we could say that to usher in any real significant change in the order of things, this requires uh, an extraordinary pause or disruption, unplugging. And that uh, got me to thinking about all the ways that uh, we are now being forced to see things differently. Uh, the relationship between work and home, where they say that uh, we may never go back to working outside the home to the same extent that we have traditionally. Home life itself, uh, what, 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 what we're coming to see now, uh, those of us who are um, mostly sheltering at home, the marriage can uh, appear differently to us, child-rearing, I hear, leisure itself, courtship for those who are still in the market, housing, I hear, is now being also upended as far as um, people's dreams of home ownership now uh, may very well have to be put aside and we may find that many more people are renting and accepting that renting is the way to go for the foreseeable future. We're all uh, looking at the role of government, especially in the matter of uh, individual rights as opposed to responsibility to others. Of course, we see this primarily in the wearing of masks. Such a, it's such a mundane, seemingly trivial thing that has acquired this charge of um, 
individual rights. I have the right to not wear my mask uh, versus our responsibility to others. Well, I've talked quite passionately about that recently in a Tay show. I don't think I need to say anything more about it. And then other things, uh, shopping. Uh, this already was changing in a pretty drastic way from, you know, brick and mortar to online shopping. But the pandemic has really given that a shove in the direction of online shopping. Spectator sports and uh, the performance arts, music, live theater, dance, cinema, these are all being disrupted that is, as, as, we, as we are used to experiencing them. Even uh, our expectations about retirement, when that should happen, just, just in these last three months, how many millions of people have had to rethink retirement one way or another, either accelerating it, moving it up, or uh, because of financial hardship, uh, postponing it. Let me go on. Uh, one of the most dramatic and thrilling changes we see is uh, in the realm of criminal justice. Uh, who should be incarcerated for which crimes and for how long? Uh, who should be um, let out? Uh, of course, the most obvious maybe is a matter of uh, racial injustice, racial inequities, long, long, long overdue um, addressing of our country's original sin, as others have called it. In fact, our whole capitalist system, many are questioning whether you can have capitalism as we as we have known it here in this country and real fairness and justice. I still, though, would, would say it's not a question of capitalism or socialism or communism or anyism, but really it comes down to uh, the, the three poisons, uh, human afflictions of greed, hostility in its many forms, and delusion. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what kind of system or what you call it, uh, so long as we are um, afflicted by these basic human defilements. Hence, the work of Zen practice. That's the real, the real difference. I think about uh, how many people have had to put things on hold, important things on hold, their career, 
having children, education. This has really, really uh, emerged in the last couple of weeks uh, as people are seeing the end of summer uh, next month. They say a whole generation um, has seen their education gone off the rails. And then sort of along with that, um, the, the process of uh, what psychologists call individuation, where we find who we are is independent from our parents. We come to stand on our own two feet. That has been terribly disrupted, where tens of millions of, of uh, college students and, and non-college students, say in their 20s, have had to pull out of their path and uh, many of them having to take refuge in their their parents houses this is this is something uh, we've never seen in this scale before it's uh it's just staggering i still i still am boggled at what we're seeing here our, our, our society, our culture, the world, um, just being flipped around and uh, all bets are off. We don't know, do we? We don't know how long this will last. In fact, we know this last week or two that there has been an alarming surge in new cases We've returned to levels of, of, of numbers in corona, coronavirus cases that we've not seen since March. March, I think back to March is really the darkest time of this, where we're looking at it um, not knowing the extent. I mean, especially those of us in New York, uh, seeing New York City come apart at the seams and this dystopian level of cases and deaths. And now again, now again, we're seeing this alarming strain on hospitals. And, uh, and that means healthcare professionals, physicians, nurses, many others. Alarming. Something like uh, 30 of the states now are seeing spikes. And, you know, worst of all is, let's see if I can remember, Florida, Texas, Arizona, Georgia, North Carolina. Where, where will this go? When will it end? Just yesterday, I read or heard somewhere that um, 
we may not see life returning to normal for a long, long time. I think the uh, the inestimable Dr. Fauci said we could see as many deaths now from this pandemic as during the 1918 influenza pandemic. And that, they estimate, was over 50 million. Estimates range worldwide, that is, worldwide estimates range between 50 million and 100 million. So one, let's just look at this. I, I was last week, I was on vacation with my wife in Maine. Maine is one of those three states, I think, that in in the last, uh, in recent uh, presentations of the map of the United States, uh, Maine, Vermont, and New Hampshire have been shown to have cases actually dropping. Um, all the others either holding steady or increasing. Um, and I, I mentioned Maine because uh, I became aware of how easy it would be to let our guard down when we see when we see things uh, apparently um, see us rounding the bend. Um, things are, you know, not the same in Maine. Uh, uh, there weren't all that many restaurants open, but the ones that were, you had to wear masks, and there was big spacing, uh, many fewer people allowed into the restaurants. Same with hotels. Um, but, but otherwise, it's quite a quite a change from March and April, and uh, I was examining my own mind and noticing, okay, I'm, I'm starting to get kind of casual about this now. I've, uh, I'm even forgetting to wash my hands when I come in from, I don't know, having gone to Wegmans or something. And, uh, so now I'm, I have a mnemonic, uh, some object, some out of place object that I place when we come in the door, uh, to remind myself to go wash my hands. This, all of this is just to say, watch out. When, when you start, when you start feeling safe, watch out. When I was in Mexico with Roshi Kaplow, uh, we were always vigilant about what we ate. Of course, we would never drink water out of the tap. Um, but even with, uh, fresh vegetables and fruit, we were very careful about washing them. Um, and uh, a couple of times as we were sitting down, uh, Roshi and Polly and I, uh, for our, our lunch, uh, he would half-jokingly say, fear is our best ally. So that's, that's one explanation for how it is that things now are reversing and uh, surging again across the country is just letting our guard down um, and it's natural uh, in the summer summer is a time when we want to go out if it's not too hot and humid 
going to go out and do things and play, recreate. And that would be, I would venture to say, especially true for young people. And young people are not known for their caution and their good judgment. In fact, uh, they say that, that is, uh, neurologists say that the human brain is not fully developed until about the age of 25. Until then, and this is fascinating, until then, there's a part of the brain that governs good judgment that remains undeveloped until the age of 25 or so. Uh, and it lags behind a part of the brain that prompts risk-taking. So just consider that. Uh, Risk-taking, no problem when we're teenagers and in our early 20s. Risk-taking, no problem. Good judgment, big problem. No wonder that uh, uh, insurance companies offer auto insurance uh, at higher rates for people until they turn 25. But besides this, besides just the notorious recklessness of youth, um, you, you pair that up, pun intended, with the mating impulse, which is undeniable. When we're in our teens and 20s and even beyond, uh, this impulse uh, to court and mate, hooking up with others at, at beaches, bars, clubs. It's, uh, it's just kind of a distant memory for me, but <laughs> still there. The, the, the drive, the drive to throw caution away and just find your way to, if not people to hook up with, uh, friends then, but to go out and do things and take risks. Fun. It's, um, it's almost too much to ask, um, of anyone, but especially young people. And the longer this goes on, the more daunting it is how we can sustain this kind of uh, isolation or caution. I, uh, I'd like to close with a poem uh, from a Swedish poet. His name is Thomas Tidholm. Uh, and this was uh, translated from the Swedish by Klaus Levander, a long, long time member in, uh, of our Scandinavian Sangha, Sister Sangha. Klaus and uh, Gina Woodburn. Uh, Gina is a long time uh, resident at Zen Gordon, the retreat center of the Stockholm Zen Center. So the name of this poem is Don't Go Out. And by the way, this was read at the 30th anniversary 
of the Stockholm Zen Center, which was years ago, long before the pandemic. Don't go out. The problem with our times. People have said there is no way out. But I say there are too many ways out. All that is offered are ways out, but no way in. They also say all ways out are already used up. But I say then try to find a way in because the way in cannot be used up. As soon as you come in, you are already there. Then you have it around you. Then you can sit beside the fire. But when a way out has been tried and you have finally gone outside, the next moment you want to get back in. Because out there, there is nothing but absence and the chill of space. Hence this bitterness and this disappointment with ways out. Thus I say, do not go out. Instead, go in. And if the house starts shaking, remain seated. Remain seated. If anyone has the resources to find a way in, find a way to be settled and in some measure of contentment and at rest, it's those of us who have a meditation practice. As hard as it is to avoid running around, risking not just our safety, but others' safety, as hard as it is, we have to do it. How else are we ever going to get out of this? I don't mean just sitting. Sitting is the, the core of it. Sitting is uh, what gives us the, the strength uh, to, to refrain from foolish things. And, and, and besides, it's, it's all, uh, it's necessary to not prolong this suffering any longer than it has to be. But you all know that. I don't even know why I talk. You all know it. But anyway, thank you.